Welcome to the Horrible Movie Podcast, a studio DNA podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at thehorriblemoviepodcast.com. Unless, of course, you're a patron. Patrons get perks. You can become a patron of our show and the Studio DNA Network by going to patreon.com slash studio DNA to find out more. Now, here's the show. Welcome, welcome to the Horrible Movie Podcast. My name is Jack. Thanks for tuning into this episode. This week, it is a producer Phil and Jack episode. Here is why, folks. A very special episode about The Room, which is uh, the source material for a movie called The Disaster Artist, which is James Franco's movie, which currently, now if you're listening to this three years from the born on date, um, you know, it's been out forever, but Currently, the number one movie at the box office, I believe, this weekend was The Disaster Artist. So was it? Uh, darn close, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think they're, they're you know he's doing pretty well with it, uh, which says a lot. Um, with that said, uh, that's our that's our movie for today. Um, Phil had the idea, kind of. We kind of actually switched switched a few weeks ago, kind of what we were going to do because we had it planned out for holiday stuff. But then we've kind of <laughs> I had a whole Christmas lineup lined up. And then we've pulled audibles on a few things, but this one's worth it. Uh, I want to give a shout out to David, uh, David Stolzman. David suggested this about a month and a half ago. And the, the buildup on Sif Pop, uh, Aaron Dicer's uh, podcast, Phil went on there uh, this past weekend and talked about the disaster artist. And today we're, we're going to book in that with talking about the room on our show because it's the horrible movie podcast. Aaron talks about, the really good high end. I mean, he's a film critic for one, so he's going to talk about the high end stuff. He calls himself a film optimist. Like he he likes yeah. to to focus on all the good things. Yeah. We, on the other hand, are kind of like the flea the flea market. As I knock the microphone <laughs> over, the flea market sometimes of movie podcasts. <laughs> uh, you come in here, you rummage around. Maybe you find Turtles Three or Turtles in Time. <laughs> Maybe you find a movie like The Room. Um, maybe someone has an old VHS copy, uh, you know, dual cassette of uh, Titanic they want to talk about. You're so saying H&P is the bargain bin of podcasts. We are the bargain bin of the podcast, especially on the Studio DNA, Net- DNA Network, because uh, between what Danae does and what Aaron does and then what little old us, what, what we do. <laughs> someone has to do it. It's a dirty job. But- totally. <laughs> trash pickup is 6 p.m yeah. you know live on spreaker um <laughs> sunday night central time so uh anyway by saying that live chat is available um on spreaker go to spreaker you have to sign up for a, an account through spreaker you can get all of your podcasts of this on the studio dna network through spreaker and get involved in that live chat well we've talked about um how patrons get perks and we've talked about that if you feel feel obligated and you want to Go over, go to uh, patreon.com slash studio DNA if you want to kind of figure out some ways that you might be able to um, help out the podcast, that sort of thing. Without further ado, though, I wanted to say, Phil, man, the room. What a phenomenal experience it's for piece, me. It's a piece of work. Um, this movie, I said this in the pre show, this movie is the reason this podcast exists. <laughs> Watching it, um, I just, I, I just laughed and laughed. I love the characters. I love the ridiculousness of this whole setup and, um, man, it's so great. Everything about this movie is cheap, 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 cheap. Just to, to, to have a little cheap, bit of cheap, a- cheap. And, and you actually, um, I was saying, can C- you play that clip I, that you said that? We'll, we'll go ahead and play that. Well, we'll I was just, saying C-H-E-A-P, we by, will, by the way. We, we will just play the clip and we'll just, you know, if someone wants to slap us on the wrist for that doing that, then they will. <laughs> chicken, Peter, you just a little chicken. Cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> this movie had a six million dollar budget and it is cheap 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 it is cheap cheap, cheap. <laughs> on, it, on every but screen six million ninety three for a movie like this should have gotten him something like where's that move where's that money going <laughs> uh, anyway he recorded in digital i heard i read this he recorded yes. in digital and in 35 millimeter yes yeah and uh uh aaron made that joke on sif pop it uh tune into sif pop where we 
yesterday's episode, it, um, it may appear as though it released on Friday in your podcast feed. Um, we covered The Disaster Artist, which is the movie that just came out in theaters based on Tommy Wiseau's making of this film. And he, Aaron made that joke. He's, he said, uh, um, what did you just say? Sorry, I lost my train of thought. It's cheap, cheap, cheap. For $6 million, you oh, should yeah, have been yeah. able to get something out of this. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, that uh, yeah, he, he, shoot, I, I lost my train of thought. What were, you, what were you saying after that? What's that? I feel like we're doing retakes <laughs> in this movie. Take 60. <laughs> that, that, what, where were they doing with all this money? Like, they, they, they filmed it in 35 millimeter and in yes, digital. Yes, okay, the, yeah. So HD it, digital the, in the 1993, to, no, 2003, excuse me, you 2003. Know, you know, the, so the pe- people that listen to, and tune into Sip Hop know that, that Aaron starts every show with, like, a little uh, inside joke kind of thing, uh, live from a bunker mm-hmm. in a hard of the Ozarks, and then he says, we're a podcast where blah, 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 and it's different every week. Well, this this week was, like, where Sip Pop is, is recording both in 35 millimeter and in HD. No, exactly. <laughs> so Absolutely. It's, but yeah, the, and they explain some of that in the Disaster Artist book and movie uh, about how he was just burning movie, m- money, man. Like um, nobody nobody in Hollywood, even like the bigger um, p- picture, uh, motion picture companies will rent everything. Like they rent all their equipment and stuff like that for two reasons. One, it's astronomical. It's a, I mean, it's, you might as well buy a spaceship for some, you know, compared to some of these cameras and stuff like that. It's unbelievable what they will charge to purchase these things. And then um, the technology is changing so often. I mean, the, the camera's outdated within six months or a year. And so nobody buys. Like, you just rent what you need for the movie, and then you give it back, and then you rent the next time. It's probably a different model camera the next time, and it's a better camera. Well, he bought everything that they want that, that, they, that they use. He's like, no, I'm, I don't rent. I buy. And so he buys everything that he needed for the, for the movie, but then he shot in both formats. And the 35-millimeter format requires different lighting, different crew, different equipment wow. to go with it than the other one. So he basically was paying for two separate film crews to shoot the same scene or they had to shoot at different times with different lighting or something like that. It's an unbelievable amount of work for something that turned out so bad. I mean, the way that it looks. So it's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Yeah. Uh, let's do this. Uh, it is time, friends. It's time for some deets. The details of the movie. The Room. Tommy Wusso directed. Tommy Wusso produced. Tommy Wusso wrote and he starred in this awesome piece <laughs> of cinematic cinematic uh at a disaster piece, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um starring Tommy Wusso as what's his name? Johnny. Johnny. Um <laughs> Juliet Danielle as Lisa, Greg Sestero as Mark. Uh, and then others, Philip uh, Haldeman, Carolyn Minot, who's the mom who gets the bad news that she takes with a, she takes it with a real kick in her step. <laughs> um, the music score in this thing, not the greatest, but not the worst, actually. Maybe the most positive thing of the whole thing is the music. I hated, um, I hated the soundtrack. Okay. Um, <laughs> edited, I wanted to say this, edited by Eric Chase. Everyone understand when you watch this, know that someone was in charge of editing this movie, and it was Eric Chase. And they had a cinema, uh, uh, they had cinematography on it. Todd Barron. So they tried, I guess, in title at least. I, I think it's mostly in name only. I, I imagine Tommy Wiseau probably controlled that process. Now, but when you want quality on a production company, you look no further than Wiseau Films, and that's who produced this movie. Uh, distributed by Chloe Productions, who was probably um, the Denny kid. Probably his last name is probably Chloe. Release date, June 27, 2003. It's a 99-minute movie. Budget, $6 million. And the initial box office, $1,800 is what this says. <laughs> um, it's, you, said, you said its initial run was in two theaters. In Los Angeles, both in Los Angeles. And, they were, and it ran for two weeks. Yes. And the second week, reportedly at least, um, was entirely funded by Tommy Wiseau himself. Like he, he thought it would kick in a little bit the second week. He thought, I guess, like word of mouth or whatever. But yeah, like the theater was ready to pull it after the first weekend or first week, and then he was like, "I will fund the rest of, like I, you know, I will pay the theater to run my movie for the second week." And then after that, he k- killed it. He also paid for a five thousand dollar billboard. Um, 
I think there's only one billboard in Los Angeles that ran. I don't know how long it ran, but he promoted his own movie by um, putting billboard. up a billboard in, in LA. He should have used a sandwich board instead of the street <laughs> that had more success. Um, the, the crazy thing is that even on the second weekend, the theater was packed. Like it was absolutely packed with people, but they were all there to um, like throw spoons at the screen and, and like laugh at it and stuff wow, like that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So check it out. Time for 30 seconds synopsis, Phil. You have, you have uh, pulled the shortest straw on this one <laughs> and uh, you get to try to do 30 seconds synopsis on the room. It shouldn't take you very long. In fact, it should take you no more than 30 seconds. <laughs> Laugh at your own jokes. That's always good. <laughs> so funny. Why is this not looking right now? Come on, you. Alarm, I don't want alarm. I've got a timer. What's wrong? I'm not sure why I did this. As a former uh, San Francisco Bay Area person, mm-hmm. like I didn't grow up in San Francisco, but I grew up in the area. Uh, I'm offended that this movie came out in SF. <laughs> oh, but that's such a good thing for your for your town. You, you think that San Francisco is better because this movie came there's out? There's the Fisherman's Wharf and there's the room. There are no scenes that are actually filmed in San Francisco, except for I think there's a couple of outdoor shots. In- I saw the Golden Gate Bridge. They filmed, they filmed in one of the parks. I think someone in the chat actually said the park that they, they film in in San Francisco. But that's about it. Dolor- Dolores, Dolores Park. park. Thanks, yeah. David. Um, <laughs> are you ready for this? Are you ready for this, Phil? Let's 30 second synopsis. The Room. Thank you so much, Tommy Wusso. And go. Okay. Uh, Johnny is a banker who lives in San Francisco. It has a fiance named Lisa and a best friend named Mark. Uh, eventually, Mark and Lisa end up basically hooking up together, and uh, she loves Mark, not Johnny. At a birthday party for um, Johnny, it, it comes out that everything comes out basically, and it's publicized what's happening. Uh, Lisa, um, you know, says, "I love Mark. Or, I don't want to be with you." And then Johnny shoots himself in the head. <laughs> Sorry, that got kind of a uh, very dark ending there, but that's what happens. So. Um. Oh, you! I got all my good friends here from my party. Good idea. (laughs) Great. Anyway, we'll be right. We'll be right back. Yeah, can I have a dozen red roses, please? Oh, hi, Johnny. I didn't know it was you. Here you go. That's me. How much is it? It'll be eighteen dollars. Go, keep the change. Hi, doggy. You're my favorite customer. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye, bye. That scene I, is unbelievable. Okay, so folks, if I just love that clip so much. <laughs> oh gosh, it's so back and forth. I know I laugh, and you guys are listening. You're going, just people, just Jack, just just do this thing. I can't help myself when I hear that clip. Like I just go, my seven year old come up with a better, <laughs> with a better dialogue. I mean, he. He will come up with all kinds of imaginary stuff we're talking about. <laughs> Holy crud, man. You're my favorite customer. And I was like, okay, add that at the end. Don't you know it, Don't you know? whenever he was shooting this, he was like, and then at the end, yeah. make sure you say oh, you're my favorite customer. I guarantee We really it. want to promote that that uh, Johnny is every, well-liked. Yeah. <laughs> you're my best friend, and you love me, and blah, blah, blah. And then, because then at the end, when the ending happens, it, it'll be so tragic. Right, right. And, you know, that's his depth. His dynamic <laughs> was to show everything's happy, running through meadows. He's got friends. They're wearing tuxes, playing catch the whole movie. <laughs> football. You want to play the football? What, are you chicken to play catch with me? <laughs> anyway, I love it. Dude, I, I wrote more notes on this movie. Well, I'm, we're going to just hit the main All points, right. obviously, but I, I wrote more notes on this movie than any movie I've ever seen before. All right, I'll stop cackling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks. I'm crazy. All right. So Johnny is a successful um, profit uh, super manager of banking uh, establishment in San Francisco. Um, his fiance, lovely, lovely, <laughs> lovely Lisa, her eyebrows were very distracting in this movie. Oh, really? Because her her bleach blonde hair okay, what, which, don't even come close to the color 
of her eyebrows. R- riddle me this one: which which uh, late nineties, two thousand, early two thousands uh, music artist do you think she looks like? Um, uh, I know what you're talking about. Let's see if the, if the chat gets there before. I me. don't know. Um, so and this was actually a rumor for for um, disaster artists, but uh, Britney Spears was actually like rumored. To, like she was trying to look like that. I think she looks almost exactly like a two, early two thousands Britney Spears. She's. You said that you've read some things that she's. She regrets. She doesn't regret this movie as much as just like some of the scenes. The adult stuff. The yeah. adult stuff. Yeah. Because folks, I'm gonna tell you, um, if you're gonna go back. Uh, and watch this again. Not not family friendly. This movie is not at all family friendly, and so just be careful with children watching <laughs> this movie. Yeah, there's. So we'll we'll, we'll talk about it more no. when we get to the end. But there's a, a specific scene I want to talk about that is the only scene I'll reference those those adult love scenes uh, in the movie that is actually really interesting to me. And so I'll, I'll talk about it when we get towards the end, but, um, but yeah, that she regrets doing those scenes, not necessarily the movie, but man, she is not a good actress in this film. At and all. yeah. And she would like, actually went through like kind of a rigorous casting process. She was actually casted originally as Michelle. Um, who's like the friends, the the two lovebird friends that they have, um, and, and Lisa's best friends. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they fired, the girl that was originally hired for Lisa and then brought her up, like moved her up the ranks. But, she moved up yeah. the ranks. So yeah. Johnny has a happy life. So for Johnny, his perspective is awesome. He's got a beautiful hot babe named Lisa. He lives in a townhouse in the coolest town in America, right, Phil? San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. And um, the problem is lovely Lisa, she's loathing life. Lovely Lisa is loathing <laughs> life, friends. And in fact, she's kind of tired of Johnny. Yeah, this comes out whenever she's ta- talking to her mom. Her mom's very inquisitive. Which of the six times does she talk to her mom about? <laughs> which one of the six times are you referring to? Well, Every time she talks to her mom, she talks about how she's tired of Johnny. She's dishing on. She's dishing <laughs> on the on 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 the scene there. She only has one other friend in the world, and that's what's her name, Michelle. Michelle. Yeah. Um, well, and Mark, obviously, but well, but as far as female friends, so. So she tells her mom everything, apparently, and how much she loves Mark, the best friend. I really like Mark, the best friend. He's called the best friend like eight times. Who has times. a beard, and then did they did they show that where they make him shave his beard because he was supposed to be on an episode of Malcolm in the Middle? Yes. In he, real life? Like, yes. That's, that's real, right? Yes, that's real. He was going to be a lumberjack because he'd grown out this beard. He has a be- he has a beard early in this movie, right? Yes. Comes back with no beard. Right. And and that was on purpose. Like they wanted his character, they wanted Mark to shave at some point. The problem is they never show him being, you know, shaving off his beard in the movie. And so he just comes on screen. It's actually the Tux scene, the Tux football scene. Oh my god. He, he comes in the door and he's clean shaven and they're the only reference that they make to him not having a beard is Johnny at one point says to Mark, uh, "Oh, look good. You look good. You look great." And and that's it. And, but there's no like he doesn't say anything about his face or anything like that. And so at, at first I was like, am I the only one that that notices like that's watching this film that notice that his beard is just gone? But I know. yeah, like he um, they had to postpone filming or something went, went weird because he was supposed to have a beard for the Malcolm in the Middle episode, episode. and uh, so they had to delay like yeah. him. Shooting and and scenes. we are jamming by the way right now. We're kind of jamming the room and the disaster movie together because it's kind of the same timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In the live chat, folks, again, Spreaker.com. Um, that's where you can get this podcast. And um, in our live chat, David mentions, what the heck is Denny's story? So um, Lisa and Johnny open, them, open this thing up with Johnny bringing home something nice he bought for Lisa after the flowers, right? And um, A red dress, yeah. And this red dress thing for her to wear. Awkwardly, though, their friend Denny, who is this young student kid, comes in. And I wasn't understanding, is this their child? At first, I'm like, is this supposed to be their kid? Then he makes some weird references about, hey, no, no. I'll just hang out with you guys. I like to watch you guys. Yeah, which is awkward, <laughs> family-friendly. But but I then they chase, they run him off, and it's it was like, what? Why is he around? I don't know. And it's never really clear until towards the end of the movie what his relationship even is with Johnny. Like, I think towards the end, it's, it's mentioned that he, Lisa mentions that he's looking into adopting him 
and, they, and, and, they, and then he's like a father. Well, that's the thing is like, so the, they actually talk about this in the disaster artist. I hope I'm not giving away too much. Oh, about it's all good. Disaster it's all artist. good. It's all good. Um, the, that actor was the oldest actor in the cast, except for Tommy. Uh, he was 26 years old playing Denny. And so, and a lot of people brought that up to Tommy. They're like, are you sure that he should be playing this role for Denny? He's like, oh, he's perfect. He's exactly what I want. And like, he's 26. And nobody knew how old Tommy was, but like, there's no way he could adopt this. He doesn't look 26. No one is fooled by him being a young kid in this movie. It's weird. Yeah. It's very odd. And he has this weird, like, at times, this Chris Kattan. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Exactly. The part oh, hey, yeah, like, anyway, so yeah, Denny's Denny's character. Wow. Um, so Denny's this little guy that's kind of around. They've got a wedding date, I guess, set. Johnny and Lisa are getting married, but then Lisa's not feeling it. Um Johnny, um, working at the bank, um, he, he, you you flesh out the, some of the characters. Mark comes around and he and Johnny are good friends. Mm-hmm. They're best bros. Yeah, best friends. Um you also get um, the mom is around. Um, Denny's around. Um, I just feel like the next thing I remember is um, them hanging out and playing catch with football, standing around like inside. You want to play catch? And then they move over like one foot <laughs> yeah. and start like throwing the ball to each other. There are so many scenes with that football. It's unbelievable. I, I don't know what, what kind of affinity he had for football. or America. Why, why that? Like, the stuff I've read, yeah, it's like, yeah. like he, uh, Tommy Rousseau is like uh, infatuated with America and things that are American and how yeah. great it is and how proud he is of being American. And like that idea of that, there's nothing more, you know, America than American football. Um, I, I want to go back to what David was asking about. What the heck is Denny's story? Every time that Denny comes into the room, like he goes through the, he knocks on the door and he, he walks in, whatever. Um, it's, it's like, he's just there just to hang out to do nothing he has no purpose for being there like he doesn't at one point i think he comes over for sugar but uh, other than that like he doesn't really have any reason to come over he literally comes in he talks for like a minute and a half he's like well i gotta go anyways and we're like why'd you come over you yeah, like 90 seconds he's like a bad sitcom character the, the, these the intros and outros for the characters are pure convenience there's absolutely no reason story reason for them to show up into any of these scenes they just show up to deliver their lines and then they exit the scene and um, it's, it's so obvious one thing um johnny um johnny and lisa start to have a little bit of argument um to the point even where lisa kind of talks tries to uh you know sometimes talk about johnny's real mean to her so she can maybe get out of this relationship her and mark have a scene there's this horrible thing where Johnny and her have a scene together, um, you know, intimately Then Mark and her have this intimate scene. So gross and, um, weird. I should I think say there, weird. I think there are three love scenes in the first 30 minutes. Yeah, probably. Um, and so they, so they have that, um, Johnny overhears Lisa talking to her mom about, um, Mark and, uh, he, he has a tape recorder on their phone. He hooks your phone up. Where did, he hide that, where did he hide that honking tape recorder at? It, it under was the, like under the, on the shelf that was like the lower shelf underneath or something yeah. like that. But I was just like, that's not how recording phones work. I mean, I, we used to have a tape, um, like an answering machine tape, tape machine when I was growing up. Um, but it was like, it wasn't like a, uh, you know, just a handheld. It was, it was programmed. For, I mean, it was like meant for that specific phone that we had. Um, and yeah. it ha- you have to have something that triggers, like to start recording yeah. as soon as the, yeah. you know, and it has to go to voicemail. Like, I don't know how you would, it would just automatically start recording just every phone call. It was like, it was really very convenient the way that that all that was set up. So, so Denny, um, here's the reason Denny was there, by the way, to really build the suspense. Uh, one of my favorite parts of the movie is, um, when Lisa absolutely, uh, freaks out over this drug scenario, it's almost like a. Jesse Spano from Save the Bell moment. Um, but Denny apparently has either bought drugs or stolen money from a drug dealer. It doesn't make any sense because the the, the whole premise of the scene is the 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 guy with the gun, the the bad guy, yeah. uh, Chris R is his name, <laughs> which there's no reason why they call him Chris R. Um uh, is like, you know, where's my bleeping money? Where's my bleeping money over and over again? I love it. And then and then it's revealed that he sold him drugs or yes. something like that. It's just like, wait, 
why why does why do you owe him money if you if you're the one that sold yes the pro like i, don't I know. want my money <laughs> i want my money it doesn't make any sense and so um but the, the emotion the crying and stuff like that is so fake in that scene like it's it's hard to watch man oh so bad can you play the lisa clip i've i've heard crying yeah uh, um, I, I, I'll keep talking while you do it, while you get a little up. I kind of sprung that on you. Um, Lisa <laughs> and Johnny's relationship is just going down the tubes at this point, um, spiraling out of control. Even poor Johnny, our hero, is has been hurt by this. Right? Um, they bring in uh, one of Mark and Peter, uh, Mar- Mark's friend, um, Mark and Johnny's friends. His name's Peter. What did Peter. that man want from you? Nothing. Oh, that was not nothing. Tell me everything. <laughs> you have no idea what kind of trouble you're in here, do you? I owe him some money. What kind of money? I don't I know why he owes him money. What kind of money? Everything is okay. He's gone. Everything is not okay. Denny, that is a dangerous man. Mm. Calm down. Faded out there. But anyway, but yeah, I love, um, and, and I guess you had said that they really wanted her to play up this emotion, right? Tommy was so was all about emotion, like, and they talk about that a lot in the Disaster Artist. That's your he, new hardcore band, by the way. Tommy Wiseau was all about emotion. That's, that's our new. <laughs> he he believed that that scenes would only increase in value and importance with more emotion. Just give me more emotion, more emotion, and so like, but people just get over the top, so over the top with it that they they went way too far and it's completely overacted. So a lot of that overacting that you see in that scene is not the actress's fault. Like they were told to act like that. In that scene, because that's what Tommy wanted. Um, the drug dealer, they, they they with the gun, they get away from him. They bring in Mark's uh, uh, Johnny and Mark's friend uh, uh, Peter, uh, and he basically is going to come in and be, do the psych job on him. They talk him into football later, and they call him a chicken for not wanting to play <laughs> football with him, which is funny. <laughs> and then um, they have what is by far. Um, one of the best quotes from the movie, um, they have a birthday party, a surprise birthday party for Johnny. You got all my friends here, and that was a good idea. <laughs> His accent, man. Weird. <laughs> I love it. I do too. It is It is one of those things, I feel like this kind of thing has been parodied on SNL and other things, but um, it's one of those very very um hard to, to pin down accents yes, like, no, location as you're listening to it you're like i have no idea where he's from yeah space <laughs> i think he's from space <laughs> i think a lot of people say that there's a lot of french sound in it um uh there's some a lot of people think he's maybe polish it's a gumbo yeah it's just kind of a gumbo and well, he's from new he's, orleans he's from new orleans so, so. it's kind of a gumbo um <laughs> so basically mark and lisa are at this party though and they're openly smooching in front of people and like hugging on each other. Yeah. And Johnny's had enough. I know about everything you do. I know about this stuff. Let's turn Jerry Springer. Shoves Mark. They're about ready to fight. Everything gets cooled down. They come back later. I'm going to fight you. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. <laughs> um, and so after the party, um, he locks himself in the bathroom, uh, says something, uh, <laughs> says something bad to somebody, um, gets their set recorder and, um, listens to this, uh, Listens to this uh, horrible call. Uh, kicks Lisa out of the apartment. Um, he destroys his apartment. And um, yeah, he ransacks it. He ransacks it. And then in the end, he had a gun, folks. The whole time. And I'm not going to, hey, I'm not, listen, I'm not downplaying. I'm not trying to make light of suicide. Um, but, man. This is, this is one of the weirdest this is the only weird suicide scene that I've well, ever seen. Well, and it really went downhill, and it showed you, it really, I guess, is this, the journey. The room, which this was filmed, I guess, in the, only that one room. Is that the mindset here? For six I don't million, know why it's called the room. Six million dollar room. Um, they have uh, whittled poor Johnny down. To his breaking point. He's, yeah, he's trying to break, man. Breaking Johnny. <laughs> and, uh, and he shoots himself, folks. And it's sad. Yeah. His friend... His young, his young ward, Denny, <laughs> comes in. Get away from him. I want to spend some time with him. I want to be alone. Okay. <laughs> Awkward. But in the, in the end, the police uh, arrive. and what, what he's doing with that red dress as he's, like, writhing on the ground. That was, was weird. It was not right, man. Wiping his, he wiped his, his eyes with it at one point, too, which I thought was when then he, he ripped was, it up. He was putting it on other parts of his body, too. It was, right. just, it was really bizarre. I like his face to wipe his tears. Um. Anyway, there you go. Um, so overall, um, 
I feel like, um, I feel like, um, I feel like you're a chicken, Phil. Cheap, 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 cheap. Can you, can you play the clip one more time? <laughs> People love this clip. <laughs> I do too. Chicken, Peter, you just a little chicken. Cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can listen to that every day oh, i know and everyone else is like oh yeah we get it we get it um but i just uh i feel as though um this is cinnamon gold I, I feel like when we get to the goods and bads i i have like eight that that i could spout out <laughs> like do we have enough time for that in the third segment absolutely. i guess we have 18 and a half minutes so absolutely um what how does this differ from the um, the disaster artist for you? Um, the you know the disaster artist is a great movie. I, I believe Aaron Dyster gave it a um, a B, I think, yeah, or something said, like, yeah. like good, good, not great. The, the problem with and listen to the Saturday episode of yesterday's episode of Sip Up to hear our full thoughts. But um, I, in short, basically what I called it was um, a great movie that I will probably never see again. And, and the reason why is is it kind of suffers from that Ed Wood, Man on the Moon kind of thing where, like, you don't really need to watch these movies again once you know the information. It's, it is very documentary. Um, it's portrayed not in a do- non-documentary style, but it's a biopic type type thing that once you've seen it, you kind of know everything. So you don't there's not a, a burning reason to watch it again. Right. I think everyone needs to watch this movie once um, just to see who this guy is. Absolutely. Well, mm-hmm. I'll be watching The Room a lot more. But uh, folks, when we come back, um, we're going to do some uh, goods and bads. We'll be right back. Yeah, I uh, let's talk about some goods and bads. What do you think? Some goods and bads? Let me let me start off with this. Do you have any goods? Um, I it's fun, man. It's a fun movie. <laughs> is this any, is fun to watch. Is there anything of value in the movie that like, is it good? I've got I found a cool well? movie. <laughs> It's a bad movie. It's a horrible movie. <laughs> That's not something it does well. Uh, it obviously was able to build a cult following. That's true. That says a lot. Yeah. There are some movies that people just go, we never want to see that again. Yeah. And this one, people want to see it now. And it's going to have a brand new life now in this way. Um, you know, David did say in the live chat that there's a long uh, trailer and a short trailer in the DVD. Oh, the DVD this. version. He owns the DVD, which is phenomenal. So anyway, um, Lynn in the chat is already predicting that this will break the horrible movie scale. Uh, early reports, early polls have actually come in. <laughs> and um, they're actually saying in a landslide, that's a very likely <laughs> thing, uh, early, sca- early scale uh, reports. Uh, we, ran the, uh, we ran the simulations and we think it's probably going to be there. But stay tuned. Um, okay, you want to rap- rapid fire some bads? Just like bang, 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 back and forth? Yes. Okay. Uh, one word bads. Go. Uh, well, I have to explain what oh, it is. I'll go, I'll go very quick. Audio editing. Holy crap. Yeah. I, I've never seen anything like this before. Yeah. The flower shop scene is only one example of it, but um, characters talk over each other for no reason. The dubbing is terrible. There are, there are parts in this, in some of the scenes where, especially Tommy who plays Johnny in the movie, um, Johnny will speak. And the audio is completely doesn't match his mouth at all. I'm just like, that's not what he said. Right. Like, like what I heard is not yeah. actually what he said on camera. Um, and I feel, I feel like a lot of that maybe was just the language barrier. He's obviously having trouble speaking English in a lot of the scenes. Um, but whoever did the dubbing and the audio editing for this is like unbelievable. It's on a completely different level. Yes. It's, it feels unfinished in the audio editing room. Yes. Um, another bad is Lisa's willingness <laughs> To um, um, Lisa's willingness to give back to the community, <laughs> give of herself, unbelievable! Like yeah. she's just like unabashed. She she's the villain of the movie, right? Yeah, I guess so. I guess technically, I I think. I she's think, somehow worse even than Chris R, the drug dealer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, which you could you could take Chris R and Denny for that matter. I completely out of the movie. Oh, it's, it's still the same film. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. She is she is supposed to be portrayed as this um, very willing person who will basically just drop whatever. She is amorous. <laughs> she she will. Uh, yeah, what she's wearing is 
very easily dropped. There uh, you go. For whoever is in the room. So, um, yeah, the only person that she says no to is Denny, <laughs> for the most part. Denny? Which even Denny calls her beautiful, and he's, like, hitting on her and stuff like that. But, yeah, she's uh, yeah, she's unbelievable, man. And there's no reason for it. Like, you're just, you're supposed to take on faith that she is in love with Mark and hates uh, Johnny and that never wants to be with him ever again. And But there's no reason for it. I mean, that's just how she feels. Yep. She doesn't really give a reason, but she and does tell her friend she needs to live. What's crazy is, as her mom, the character of, of her mom, Claudette, in the movie, tries to get out of her the reason multiple times. There are like several recycled scenes in the movie where they have the exact same conversation just 15 minutes later. And her mom is constantly trying to get, what's the reason? Why are you doing this? And she never gives her one. I was like, okay, that was pointless. We learned Unreal. nothing out of that scene. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, what else? That was mine. You you just uh green screen backdrops. Weird, un freaking believable, man. That it is. There is no one that is fooled that that background background is the actual live background of San Francisco. So there there are two. There are other shots too, but if you want to like take like the top three scenes in this movie or top two, really, it's either inside the house or on the roof to, rooftop of the apartment building or whatever. And that's pretty much most of the scenes. There's a few park scenes and flower shop scene and other things, but for the most part, it's they're on the rooftop or they're inside the house. And the rooftop scenes are out of this world. Like it looks like it was shot with a camcorder for one. And then the backdrop scenes are clearly green screen. I don't think anyone in 2003 would have been fooled by it. No, no. Jurassic Park came out the same year. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> this looks just as real as Jurassic Park. Uh, so, um, the acting. Oh my gosh. Unbelievable. Is there anyone in the, there's one ca- character I'm thinking of that I think is passable, but is, was there anyone that you thought was. I think that Mark, okay. in the right situation, that actor, probably... I mean, he's in other... He's been in some other stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I bet the mom... I bet the mom... When given an actual script. Probably at some point in her life was an actress, if she's still around doing that. Again, Chris R., very convincing drug dealer. <laughs> yeah, and he was just basically picked off the street, so to speak. He was a roommate of one of the <laughs> yeah. cast members. Um. I thought the the girl that played Michelle was actually not terrible. Like she, there's that scene where she's laying down on the couch and she's like, she's like, you know, she's this is like a soap opera, right? Yeah, in, in real life, she's like, you did what with yeah. Mark? And oh, I can't believe that. And what's going on? Right. Like, you know. Right. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of believing what she's selling here. Right. So, but the rest of it, man, all the key actors, the, these are all side side characters that we're mentioning. The key actors, the main actors, are hard hard to watch. Maybe with the exception of Mark. But yeah, it's rough. Um, Johnny, my other one. I'm just gonna say. And granted, this movie could not exist without Johnny. Uh, full, just full bore, being in charge of everything. Chief cook and bottle washer. <laughs> I mean, he is um, the MVP of this movie. Most valuable player. Just he's the he's the man. So he's the man. He is the man. But in the same vein. You can tell if this is what he, the inside of his brain is like. No one needs to go uh, into the inside of uh, Tommy Wiseau's brain, apparently, uh, to go here to this place. So, uh, next one for me is the writing, like actual scripts of it. It's it is it feels like a movie that was written in English, translated into Japanese, then translated back into English. <laughs> It makes no sense. The the sentence structure doesn't make sense half the time. And what they're speaking about has oftentimes has no relevance to anything in the plot. Um, there are um, conversations that seem to be cut off in mid topic. Um, it's, it's almost unintelligible at times. Hmm. And, and some of the stuff that you think is going to be weighty and, and have actual significance to character development and relationships and stuff like that has no, no bearing at all. Um, the, the most famous being the breast cancer, um, scene with, with mom, with Claudette, she literally <laughs> in the middle of a conversation rips out, Oh, by the way, the, the, t- the results of the test came back. Oh. I, ha- I have breast cancer. And then, <laughs> and then Lisa acknowledges it. She, she says, Oh, um, no, it'll, it, it's okay. You'll be okay. They, they're curing people all the time. And then they go right back to talking about Johnny and that, that topic literally never comes up again. Well, and you said in the disaster artist, they, they, the actress asks after that cut. Yeah. We don't talk about this again, right? Yeah, she she was addressing Tommy Wiseau, the director, 
directly and saying, when does this come back in the movie? It, here's the thing. And I, maybe I should have said this at the very beginning. Uh, in the, according to the book, and I don't think they mentioned this in the movie, but I've been reading the book a little bit. Uh, according to the book, nobody had the full script that was on set, including the actors, except for Tommy, the script editor who's played by, um, oh, what's his name? The, the comic com- comedy guy. Um, I'll think of it later. Uh, the script editor who obviously has to have the script and the, um, I think one of the camera guys or maybe Greg, I think Greg might've had a full script. Mm -hmm. So, but like the girl that plays Lisa, Michelle, Claudette, none of those guys had the full script. They never saw the full movie. Was it not done? Maybe it wasn't done. I don't know. I know he had it done. He had it done before they, I mean, he gave the whole script to Greg and he read it full before they even started filming. It's weird. Like he didn't want anyone to see the script because he was afraid of it getting out, like leaking or something like that. And I know it's crazy. But like, um, so when when the girl, the lady that plays Claudette, asked Tommy, "Does this ever come up again?" Because she doesn't know. She hasn't read the whole script. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It is awesome. Um, yeah, very cool. Very, very, very cool. Seth Rogen. Uh, thanks to um, both Lynn and Jasmine in the chat. Seth Rogen plays um, the script editor in the disaster artist, And he's one of the few people on set that actually knew what the whole script had in store. Crazy. Um, okay. Well, let's do this. Let's, um, let's talk about rating this movie. Okay. And um, then I might do some of my other bads. Maybe. Post, yeah, let's do like, it. Let's do it. Um, extra content. When we write this movie, um, norm, normal scales, one is a bad. Um, and then five, one, one, two, five. So, I mean, one, two, three, four, five. And five is just the worst thing you can imagine. Now, I will take into consideration on this, folks. Listen, I got a lot of enjoyment out of this movie, Phil. I don't. I, why would I give something I enjoyed a five? Think about that. Here's the th- for pure enjoyment purposes, and I feel like this this movie alone is going to help keep this podcast afloat. Like it's going to keep us moving forward. I'm going to now. I'm going to be looking for more gems like this. This is like. Um, and National Treasure, how the how the the uh, Gates family is always looking for that next artifact. Well, now I found this is my next artifact. This is gonna keep me searching. I'll eventually someday give this search over to my son. My son will then take this <laughs> over, this search over, based on the fact that we found such a great David found such a great movie for us to do on this podcast a month and a half ago. But with that said, my verdict. I'll tell you about it right after this clip about the flower shop. We're playing it again? No, you go ahead and tell me yours. I know I, I want to keep people in suspense when I'm going to rate this movie. <laughs> One to five. So you want my rating? Give me your rating. Okay. So in for other movies that we've done on this show, usually I've kind of gone uh, by the standard of like, would I w- ever watch this movie again? It's hard to do with this movie. I want to watch it again. I do. I, I might watch it again tonight. I might watch it again, like just every year, like for the rest of my life, like just to keep it, oh, keep it in my we mind. We may do it on this podcast yeah. every year. That said, if if we're going from like how the movie actually plays, like how, how it was intended to be and did it achieve that yes. goal or not, it is an all the way five oh. for me. All the way five. In a theater, if you said, go watch this movie, it's this, five will goes west to... The Land Before Time, 18. You're going to watch both those movies before that because they're actual movies. Yeah. I, I'm maybe not, sh- not those. But. I'm not sure. What, I got done with this movie. I was like, I don't, I'm not sure what I even watched just now. What was that? <laughs> Is it a car wreck? Train wreck? All right. My rating on this movie, ladies and gentlemen, with everyone listening in, at home, in your car, <laughs> on the radio, in the live chat, my rating for the room is a five. Five out of five. Okay, of course. What, was there ever a choice? It has, it has to be. But I had a hard time saying that because I love this movie. It's one of my favorites. Radical Jack by with Billy Ray Cyrus in it, folks. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> you go watch it. Again, don't have your kids watch that. Your, your young children, at least. But man, that movie and this movie have some of the sim- same things where you go, why? Why? Why did this happen? Why is this happening right now? <laughs> now there was no tuck scene. The tuck scene in this movie. <laughs> Whoa. There's so many loose ends. There's so many loose ends in this. There's so many loose ends in this movie. You're just left to just go, what what's happening? I thought 
Um, maybe some other listeners um, that are listening to this were the same way when they were watching the movie, but I thought that was the wedding scene. Because I didn't know what to expect with this movie. I didn't know the ending and all that. So I, when they, because the whole movie they're talking about, oh, you're my fiance. I love you. You're you're so beautiful. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're my love of my life. I got my best friend, Mark, and I got, I got, I love Elisa so much. Uh, and, and they're leading up to this, like, we're going to get married in another month, whatever. And, you know, there's no timeline to this movie. Like one scene to the next could be six months in between them. So when they start putting on tuxes and they're in that room, I was like, oh, this is the, this is the, um, green room, the, the getting ready room for the wedding ceremony. And he's about to get married to Lisa. Nope. They're just in Texas. It was, and, the, it was actually the critics choice awards. Those are, those are, all, those are all, all critics. There's absolutely no explanation for why they're in Texas in that, in that scene. Well, I guess somebody else's wedding, but they never address it. Weird man. <laughs> uh, but more beds. Tell us more beds. Oh, I've got several. Tell us. Uh, you, you talked about the soundtrack. Uh, there was a, a couple songs I think were passable. There is one song that I think ends up making it in the end credits too. Uh, it's it's called "You Are My Rose." Okay, do, do you, you write that? some? Can you read us some lyrics? <laughs> well, I can tell you what is the most repeated line in the movie is "You are my rose to me, to me." And and there's one part where that's all that's said for about thirty seconds. It's just that line over and over and over again. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, here I, I found it. Let me pull it up. Uh, Kitra Williams, uh, I want to give credit where, where credit is due. Um, uh, the, the, the outro to the song is literally, you are my rose, you are my rose, you are my rose, you are my rose. This is over and over again. Um, this, the song only has one verse, one chorus, and an outro. Uh, it's clearly just made for this movie. Your touch pulling fire out of me. Oh, <laughs> um, A rose is what you are to me. This, the smell of wonders, oh, so sweet. You are a rose to me. You are my rose. You are my rose to me. You are my rose. Just over and over and over again. I was, just, I was like, that scene plays during one of the yeah. last scenes. Yes. I was just like, oh, what am I listening to right now? So, yeah. Um, I, I might as well mention it now. We're uh, about out of time for the radio show, but... Uh, there, there is a scene. One of the love scenes is recycled footage. Did you know that? The the end scene, um, and this is actually kind of sad. We've, is this we, Mark and uh, no, no, no. Like between Johnny and Lisa, um, Johnny and Lisa have that scene at the beginning of the movie, like two minutes into the movie. Right, they have that scene. Footage from that scene is all is reused at the end of the movie. It's the exact same shots, um, and the reason for it was, and this is actually a sad thing to say but um johnny was so belligerent and so um uh very like he's very insulting and very like pushy with her during the filming of that scene that she was like i'm done i'm never doing that again and but he had to have that that love scene towards the end for the plot he thought and so he's like just reuse footage from the first scene and so i think without her permission and everything like he ran that scene again, oh, basically Johnny. turning into the movie. Johnny's a rebel. So, anyway, well, very good. Um, I, in I, the let's do this. I have a couple more, but we'll save them for well, if, you, if you're tuning into the radio show. Uh, subscribe to the podcast. Here, we'll, we'll talk about. Here's it what you're going to get because I just love the clips of this movie. Um, after we go off the air, radio, the radio, the regular podcast, you're just going to keep listening, and it's just going to bleed right into the regular thing. So, if you are listening on the radio, um, go download this episode. Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts at. Um, Phil's going to play every one of those clips again um, on the podcast proper. I thought that was just for patrons. Patrons get perks. They do get perks. Just those two clips. Never mind. If, Psych. Yeah, if you subscribe to um, the patron uh, Patreon that we have, there you, go. Uh, you can hear our pre-show. We, we played nine or ten clips from... They the movie and talked to right. him and laughed about it. There you go. So yeah, uh, tune in to the to the pre-show for that. Um, just three dollars. Three dollars is all, all it takes to uh, get that, and then every other future pre-show go. that we do. But we had a lot of fun in the pre-show this for this movie. It was, right on. It was great. Um, with that said, what 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 have you been into lately, Phil? Um, let's see. Uh, I might just talk about just we have a minute left. Um, just very briefly about the book. Um, the disaster artist book. If you watched the movie uh, or honestly, even if you didn't, um, I mean, I think if you're interested in the movie, you will be interested in the book. There are some stories that made it, uh, it they obviously did, they didn't have time to do every story from the book and, and put it into the movie. There are some stories that are unbelievable that are in the book that are not in the movie. Um, <laughs> there's, I we don't have time to talk about it. Maybe I'll talk about it after we hit stop on the radio, but um, there's a scene or a, 
yeah, kind of a true story about involving a restaurant, skating a table at a restaurant. Oh that is, you won't believe it, man. Like I'll, I'll have to tell you about it after we hit stop on radio, but um, it's only in the book. It's not in the movie. So definitely check out the book um, by Greg Sestero. It came out about four years ago and it is definitely worth a read, especially for that probably helped promote this movie and kind of push it in that direction. So yeah, uh, folks, uh, radio wise, we're going to cut you loose. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Remember, uh, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Woo! Especially this week. So with that said, um, uh, yeah, chat, chat, hang, hang with us. You're um, definitely yeah. invited to stay for the rest of the conversation. We're going to keep talking about the room a little bit. We just had to cut off the radio listeners because we have a certain um, number of minutes and seconds for the radio. So, so this Plus, is that was a bigger is, gold digger than Lisa <laughs> in live chat, Jasmine. <laughs> so this is from this point on, uh, it's just podcast only yeah. talk, but so, or live chat people. Um, so check this out. Um, you want me, want me to tell that story now? Yeah, it is, it. it is fascinating. From the book. This is straight from... This is from the book. The disaster book? Yeah, so um, Greg and and Tommy Wiseau, Greg Sestero and Tommy Wiseau were friends for five years before they even shot a frame of the movie. Uh, they met up in San Francisco. They moved down to L.A. together. They were roommates for many years. Um, and there's a lot in the book about that that they, they don't really cover in the movie the best, one of the best stories that didn't make the movie. I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not done with the book. I'm only about maybe a third of the way through it. But one of the earlier stories in the book, they go to this restaurant and it's like a, um, a very like privileged in crowd kind of restaurant. You don't get a table at this place mm-hmm. unless you know somebody, uh, or you can book like eight months in advance. There's a lot of celebrities that, um, they just, you know, they just show their face and, you know, Tom Hanks gets in with his friends or whatever, but it is, it's an impossible restaurant to get into. So they show up, there's like 50 people in the waiting room all trying to get in. Most of them are going to get turned away. And he walks, uh, Tommy walks up to the, the host desk and Greg is kind of off. He hears the conversation, but he's like off to the side and, and, uh, Tommy goes up there and he goes, and I don't remember the exact name, so I'll just fill it in with, um, random names, but he goes, um, he goes, uh, yes, uh, me and my friends here, we are here for a table. Uh, we have a reservation. And, and the host is like, oh, what's the reservation under? And he goes, um, party for Jason? And then the, the and then the host like looks down at her sheet and she's like, I don't have a, a reservation for Jason. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I give you the wrong name. Um, try uh, Aaron. Is, is reservation for Aaron? Oh. And, and she's like, I don't see an Aaron. He's like, Oh, uh, no, 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 that's not it. Um, is it Jeff? Uh, re- reservation for Jeff? He's like, well, I have a, a reservation for four, a table for four for Jeff. And he's like, oh, yeah, that, that is us. That we are, oh, we are a reservation for Jeff. And, <laughs> and then she's like, well, where's, where's the rest of your party? And, and so that's when he grabs Greg and like pulled him over. He's like, oh, this is, this is one of the members of our party. Uh, we are waiting on, on two more. And, and so, uh, and then she's like, uh, okay, well, right this way then. And, and like in the, in the next sentence in the book, Greg, the Greg, who's narrating the, his own story is like, he's like, I don't know who Jeff was party of four, but they were not getting the table that night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but that just, that just shows me more about this. How crazy this person persona. was. It was just absolutely crazy. I don't need, I don't think he, there's a part of him that I'm not sure he understands the rules of life. Like in a because lot of ways, like abide by your, you and I's rules. He's above <laughs> these rules. So, now he's got a little meme on Twitter. If you tweet hashtag the room, his head pops up. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. If you, if you tweet hashtag the disaster artist, his head pops up and it's phenomenal. Good for him. You know? Um, there were a lot of scenes in the movie. I'll go over a couple more bads. A lot of scenes in the movie that are just total time waster things. Like, um, there's a lot of time, lots of seconds that are filled up with them just like filling drinks or, um, just, you know, tossing a football around with no dialogue. The football round is unbelievable to me. It's like this, what is happening? There's probably, um, of the 99 minutes of the movie, there's probably a good four, maybe five minutes of them not furthering any plot, literally just standing around and doing everyday things that, I mean, I just don't need to see, I, I, you know, I fill drinks at my, right. at my house. I don't need to watch other people fill drinks. Absolutely. Um, there's several scenes that just feel completely not, I mean, a lot of scenes, but some especially egregiously feel non-real. Like that would never happen in real life in, in an everyday conversation. Uh, we talked about the breast cancer thing. Um, another one is, um, there's a scene towards the end where Denny, Denny is confessing to Johnny on the rooftop, the many rooftop scenes that he is in love with Lisa. 
it's towards the end. Of the, it's like 20 minutes from the end of the movie. And he's, he's like, I think I'm in love with her. And I'm like, wait a second. You mean his fiance, like the guy that you're talking to. Yeah. If you were 12, 11 years ago, if, yeah. if, if you and I were best friends, I didn't know you before you married Amanda, right. but I came up to you and I was just like, I feel like I'm in, I'm in love with Amanda. I know you guys are getting married in a few and months. And I would but... look around and be like, who are you talking to? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm her fiance. Like we're going to get married. But he, he totally just like, like just, but they treat shakes it off. Danny like a little kid though. Danny's a little yeah. kid to them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the Texas thing is so fun, funny. Peter falls at the end for no reason. Like he just like, he's oh, going, to, my he's gosh. going after the football he just on falls his face and the they camera. come up and look at him. And one, <laughs> then he smiles. Yeah. <laughs> like so stupid. And there's, there's another scene where someone falls. It's, uh, it's, uh, not not Michelle Mike 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 Mike's uh, Michelle's boyfriend Mike. Um, they're they're playing they're throwing the football around and Mike's telling this story about underwear which we won't go into. Oh my and, gosh! And then and then uh, Mike um, starts like they just start very short distance like four feet away from each other tossing the football around and at one point like he gets hit in the stomach it looks like a, a, he barely got glanced. And he like doubles over in pain and falls down to the ground. And they're like, "Oh, do you need to go to the hospital?" And we're like, "No, dude, he just got winded." Like, <laughs> runs into that trash can. Yeah, they're standing inside, and there's like this whole bank of trash cans. Are they in the hall? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So the interesting part about that scene is it is the only scene that originally made it uh, from the first shots that were filmed for the movie to the actual movie. Um, all of the scenes that were on the rooftop were actually supposed to uh, initially be in an alleyway. Um, but all of those scenes got cut because of um, changing in casting and stuff like that. And so that scene where they're in the alleyway and, he, and Mike starts talking at first about his experience and then they throw the football and then he falls to the ground is the only scene that made it into the movie from the alleyway uh, set that they created. So, um, and then the last thing I have is just a couple more quotes that we didn't talk about in the pre-show or the main show, but, um, there's one, <laughs> I wish I could find an audio for this. Maybe I'll put it in post if we find it later, but, um, he says, uh, he walks in, he comes home from work. He's supposed to have gotten a promotion that Lisa's expecting. And, uh, Lisa goes, uh, did you get your promotion? He goes, nah. And then, uh, he sits down <laughs> in the chair and she's sitting on the couch and she goes, you didn't get it. Did you? I was like. He just said nah. Nah. <laughs> You're my favorite customer. <laughs> I feel like some of these shots were shot on different days. Anyway, uh, the last one is, um, did, did, did you did you catch, isn't during the birthday party, this is literally 10, 10 or 12 oh. minutes from the end of the, of the scene. There's, yeah. there's a lot of really cool, funny, funny things that happen in that. At one point, Johnny, out of nowhere, and unbeknownst to the audience that's watching the movie, unbeknownst to any of the characters, Johnny tells everyone that they're expecting do you remember that part? Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I, and I, I, like I literally, my jaw dropped when he said that. I was like, "What?" Yeah, we're what? having a baby. We're expecting. Well, and then they added the baby stuff at the end, where it's like, "This baby's on the way," and so that made it more tragic at the end. <laughs> yeah, disaster, man. I, there's no. They never had a conversation. You never see them talking about a baby ever no, until he announces to is, everyone. Yes, this thing it's is, a train wreck. It's the best. It's the best ever. <laughs> Again, so. this is why this podcast exists. Please feed us more of these. We want more of these. <laughs> if you like talking about these in a live chat or you can go back. I have found that we have found this out in Spreaker. And when you go back in other episodes, you can add comments to these episodes. Yes, we're starting to do that um, as of the Sif Pop episode yesterday. We did it. We tried it out and it worked yeah. great. So um, if you are listening to this in your uh, normal podcast feed or in the Spreaker app, yeah. uh, you can uh, see the chat that that's been chatting along with us live, uh, all of their comments will stick now. So they're, they're actually, when you go to this episode yes. on speaker.com, yes. all the comments from the chat will be there. And then you can add your comments uh, posthumously after, after we've posted this. Well, so, and um, on your, we talked about uh, some folks on their notifications, make sure you, uh, that, that we're going live on there, make sure double check on that. And we'll look into that too, to make sure you guys are able to get your notifications to know we're going to go live and that sort of thing. I know some yeah. people had some problems finding that out. So, and I tweet out normally, like I've tweet out and, and Facebook out that we are going to go live in a time we're going to go live. So follow us on Twitter, follow us on uh, our Facebook page. Uh, and just uh, folks, we appreciate you coming, uh, coming around. Phil, thanks so much for doing this again. Big shout out to Dave for David for pointing this movie out to us about a month and a half ago. Uh, it's awesome. It's a great movie. 
Jack, I have one last thing to say to you. What's that? Keep your stupid comments in your pocket. Oh, my gosh. I love it. It's the best. All right, guys. Remember, uh, reach the stars, follow your dreams. And just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Have a great night. Or, or day. Mor- or, morning. or morning. And whenever you're listening to this, really. And tune into the commute. <laughs> Tuesday mornings. In your podcast feed. In your podcast feed. It's the only mobile podcast that I know of. Yeah. That's recorded on the highway. There could be reason for that, but. Probably so. <laughs> Road noise. But I do honk every episode. All right. <laughs> see you soon. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. The Horror Movie Podcast is heard weekly on great stations like 88.1 KZ88, South Central Missouri's Public Radio, 104.1 Caps Media in Ventura, California, 103.5 WADR, Janesville, Wisconsin, and 105.5 KFGM, Missoula, Montana, from Missouri to Missoula. The Horror Movie Podcast is available for download on iTunes, Google Play, Spreaker, and at the thehorribmoviepodcast.com.